everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here. Just wanted to start the episode with a quick apology. I made an audio error with this episode and recorded it on my regular computer microphone as opposed to the microphone it's supposed to go into. So my voice is a little echoey, a little thin, uh, and I'm sorry for that. But I still wanted to bring you this conversation because it's very, very good with Will Parkinson, who covers the New York Jets for Turn On The Jets podcast. So my apologies for a little bit less than our usual Purple Insider audio quality, but I still think it's a really fun episode. So enjoy. Podcast, Will Parkinson, a great follow on Twitter, by the way, at WillPa11. What's up, Will? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. We were just talking a little bit off air about the heat in New York. It's only 75 right now and nice and sunny. So um, contrary to popular belief, you're actually uh, in the warmer weather right now. (laughs) Yeah, well, Minnesotans know, especially golfers, how hot it gets uh, in Minnesota. And I think we're going to reach 101 for the second time in two weeks. So, yeah, I do. I was doing uh, an XM radio fantasy football you know, whatever radio hit the other day. And they're like, well, stay warm up there in Minnesota. I'm like, guys, summertime. It's pretty hot up here. Uh, but I think my dog is probably jealous of your weather. She does not like it when it's this hot. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be diving in the pool and going to the beach uh, beach after we finish this up. You know, got to enjoy the day off, uh, day off a little bit. Okay, very good. Well, let's talk some football then. It's actually quarterback week on the show. And I am so intrigued by the quarterback of the New York Jets that I needed a whole specific (laughs) podcast dedicated to Zach Wilson. So what you don't know is that once upon a time, we had a thing called skull searching because in 2020, the Vikings start off one and five and everybody thought tank season. Who are the Vikings going to draft a quarterback for next year? Now that didn't happen, but Zach Wilson was the guy that I was tuning into BYU radio broadcasts for games that I couldn't hear just to see what they were saying about Zach Wilson. I have the tweets to prove it. Um, And yet last year was uh, not, not great. So why don't we start out with what happened last year with Zach Wilson? Um, Why did it go so badly? Yeah. um, I would say a a few different things. One, I think the Jets were in a weird spot, right? They built like, well, I guess we'll we'll phrase it as they attempted to build it up with Sam Darnold initially, um, made some very poor signings, draft picks didn't work out. 2020 was an obviously an abject disaster. It was Sam's third year. Everything you know was supposed to be pointing up, and unfortunately, obviously had a bad year. The Jets were awful. Very easily could have gone 0 16. Somehow beat the the Rams and the Browns at the end of the year. Weird COVID season. So they go into 2021. They've got this whole brand new core. They basically every veteran on the roster is there on a prove it one year deal. Everybody else is a first or second year player. They were still like in that first or second year of a rebuild where the talent's getting better, but it's a lot of trial by fire. First year offensive coordinator, first year head coach. Um, Zach will, is super talented, but comes in. You know, you get Elijah Moore misses all of camp pretty much. Well, he played some, but misses pretty much all of camp. Zach Wilson, the first three days, misses the first three practices because of a um, contract thing with rookies where essentially it's called offset language. It's like if the Jets were to cut him in like year three, he want, would want to be able to get that money and the Jets would say we don't want to pay him whatever. So that was a whole disaster. Then, you know, Corey Davis misses. T- like everything just felt like they never had their full offensive line. They – 
you know, some bumps and hiccups early on, some tough matchups. The Panthers' defense was obviously a lot better than I think people thought. Um, you know, right away, obviously, New England's defense was fantastic. So on and so forth, struggles that the Titans game happens. He is this great, you know, the first half was actually pretty awful, which was the whole like funny part of that game was it was going terribly. It was the same old, same old. And then right before the first half ends, they finally have a, he's a big throw off platform. And all of a sudden, like lit it up the second half. Then it goes right back into kind of, you know, not great. So all in all, it was, you saw some flashes. Then he gets hurt against New England. And then, you know, he misses a bunch of time. Mike, the Mike White game happens. Everyone's favorite, uh, you know, kind of, you know, underdog story last year. Obviously, tears up the Bengals. Zach comes back from the injury. Doesn't throw, doesn't throw. Doesn't have a turn. I think he had one turnover. It was a fumble. He didn't have any interceptions. Um, pretty much. I think after week twelve or week thirteen, only six touchdowns in, in six or seven games. So it's not like he was a passing touchdown. It's not like he was lighting it up, but it was just got better. And then end of the year has the Tampa Bay game, which obviously anytime you play the Bucs or the Super Bowl champs and Tom Brady's playing, when you go toe to toe with him. You know, generally speaking, with receivers, as much as I love Braxton Barrios, when he's your number one option and a bunch of guys that are more, you know, bottom tier of the NFL type, you know, players on any roster, um, you know, it caught everyone's attention. And so the arrow is pointing up towards the end of the year. The Jets obviously, you know, addressed a bunch of stuff, but small school kid, you know, if anyone watched BYU, as you mentioned in 2020, I don't think Zach got touched like ever. Like he had all the time in the world. Yes, he was playing with. Not the best players either, but he was playing against softer competition. It just it felt like last year his head was spinning, like especially against zone coverage. He started to get better, but against man, it's like he didn't trust his guys to get open. He would wait, hold on to the ball for too long. A lot of classic rookie mistakes. So lack of talent. Zach's head spinning made some pretty terrible decisions early on. Got better, but overall the rookie year was not great. Uh, if I'm being you know objective about it, I just. I think there was a lot of obstacles, so I'm not worried yet, but I would not have, uh, I would not like to watch that year again. If I <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that goes for many of your Jets years. Um, recently yeah, going from San Darnold to Zach Wilson. And I could understand if uh, Jets fans were saying, here we go again, but the Wilson situation's a, a little unique uh, in my mind because I don't think he was a guy that really should have been playing in year one. That should have been Josh Johnson's whole season or, there had to be a McCown available to give a few million bucks yeah, to let him play. I mean, I right, Flacco would have been perfect. Flacco's definitely going to be like Bernie Kosar was back in the day, where he like, no way was he a cowboy, right? Yeah, oh, every yeah. year he joins a new team. <laughs> right, right. But Zach Wilson had all the earmarks of a guy that shouldn't play. I, in similar fashion to Mahomes. I'm not saying they're exactly comparable, but there is some comparison there to played in a wide open type of system where he could just kind of run around and throw it to whoever, wide open receivers all over the place. I mean, his arm talent was incredible in college, but also it was, uh, he's, he had plenty of time. And the one game they beat him up, they lost. What was it against? Uh, yeah, it was against Coastal, uh, Coastal, Coastal right? Carolina. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really, they really played physical with him and they lost that game. And, uh, you know, I think that was kind of telling to like, he's going to face pressure much quicker and he's going to have to be much more technical about his game. And that just doesn't suit someone to walk right in the other part of it too. And I've seen, of course, he's in the best shape of his life and that he's uh, picked up 78 pounds of muscle yeah. or whatever, but <laughs> he was a pretty pretty slender when he came into the league and needed to beef up a little bit, like had all the classic earmarks of that 
but it seemed like they really wanted to show him off to the fans. So we're just going to throw him out there and whatever happens, happens. And if he works his way through that, it'll be impressive. But I don't think it was that helpful for him to play last year. Yeah, so the issue – that was a big issue going into camp was they had no veteran backup, right? The backup was the Mike Whites of the world and things of you know that nature. You know, Zach pretty much had the same amount of NFL experience of anybody else he was playing against. I think they wanted to – a lot of the staff's mentality from people I've talked to in the building are we wanted to see what we have in all these young guys, right? Like the Jets kind of had a freebie last year where they've been really bad for a long time, but it's a brand-new staff, brand-new regime. They kind of cleared house. It's all their guys now. You know, you even look at at corner, right? The Jets started, you know, a fifth and a sixth round pick, or it's multiple sixth round picks, and it was all guys of like, you know, these guys shouldn't play right away, but we're gonna let them play right away because we want to see if we have guys in that roster, test them out, kind of get live reps. I agree, Zach probably shouldn't have started from day one. I think there was just they wanted to be like, go figure it out. Like if you watch the tape of Zach Wilson's games versus what they put on even Joe Flacco or Mike White's plate, um, they gave Zach a much like much harder you know playbook. They tried to they basically gave him the you know the veteran like you, you've been in this offense for ten years and we're gonna let it all loose. So I, I do it was concerning it you know in some senses, but at the same time I think it was like this is what bad in the NFL is gonna feel like. Now we're gonna give you more weapons. We're gonna give you know you're gonna beef up. He's up to I think he's up to fifteen pounds of muscle. He's up to two twenty. Um, you can tell him the, the the zip on the ball. He's got elite arm talent. There is no doubt about that. I know I had a tweet that, you know, about the Jets, you know, well, the NFL bringing back the uh, the farthest throw competition. And I put Zach Wilson's name in there and everyone's like, Zach Wilson. And I'm like, dude, trust me. Like <laughs> his issue is not his arm strength. Um, you know, he, he, again, he's somebody that weirdly last year, he actually threw the ball way better over the middle of the field, especially the end of the year. And in college, he was a big time outside the numbers guy. Like, he throws one of the prettiest corner routes I've ever seen. Um, it's just like the ball. I don't know if for anyone who watches Rick Russell Wilson too, it's like it feels like the ball is in the air for an hour, and it just it's <laughs> such a catchable ball. I'm not going to get into Russell Wilson because I'm not a big Russell Wilson guy, but um, but Zach threw the ball much more confidently at the end of the year. And if he can figure out like the hard stuff for him, the easy off platform stuff, similar to like Mahomes figured out how to do everything else, and then was able to just use his that elite arm talent and run around and buy time and make throws nobody else can make. So um, similar for Zach, once he starts to like conf, like last year he could throw the prettiest fifty yard ball off, you know, running around like guy in his face. And then swing pass or screen pass with one hop. And it's like, what is going on? Um, it's the little things. Again, I think the NFL moves really quickly, as everyone knows. It's not just the speed. It's the speed of the players. It's the speed of the game. Everything's different. So um, I'm, I've am i seen Zach so far. It's started to slow down. Um, he still is, you know, learning. But you would hope with more, you know, more experience from Michael Fuller, offensive coordinator, more weapons around him. Um, the better offensive line and also Zach just being better in year two in terms of a mental capacity. I would hope it's going to translate. We'll see, but um, you know, got to clean up the, it's got to clean up the stupid mistakes. And I think, you know, obviously Kirk cousins is like the definition of like, you don't, it's like, you're not maybe going to see the highest of highs, but the lowest of lows is not going to happen. Zach is weight was way too much last year. Like, Oh, wow. That's an amazing throw. Like if, I tweeted out there's a clip of two minute Zach Wilson throws and it's so annoying because I feel like I'm talking about Sam Darnold again. But there's a two minute throws of like, you're like this is just as good as anybody in the NFL. That that two minutes. The problem is that two minutes is like, dude, there's five guys there. Like, what are you doing? Um, so if you can eliminate at least half that and add a little bit more to the highlight tape, we might be in good shape. 
Oh, I mean, if you could meld Kirk Cousins with Zach Wilson, I mean, you would really have you something mean, there. The Jets, the Jets would probably be Super Bowl contenders based off of the quarterback alone. Well, something really blew my mind, and I've talked about it a bit on the show, uh, when PFF put out its quarterback annual, and one of their statistics is first read. And so how did guys perform on their first read? But the thing that really like took me aback was that quarterbacks on their first read are throwing it like two out of every three passes. And even the guys who do a lot of off-schedule stuff, it's still like 62% of the time they're doing first read. So that's the thing about Mahomes, that he's going to get credit for all the wild throws. But 60 70% of the time, the guy is still making the right first read throw. So if you have all of that high end on the crazy stuff on the off-platform and the off-schedule, whatever, but you can't execute a simple you know, double slants or whatever. I mean, it's going to be a major problem for you. But my thing is with Wilson, how would you know based on last year, even when you go back in history with rookies, unless somebody is Josh Rosen, where it's just an atrocity from day one, there's nothing to really project. There's no stat that says, oh, if you graded this way or your rating was this, that in year two, you can't improve as a rookie. I mean, Jared Goff was about as horrible as you could get. And then by the next year, they're leading the number one offense. I mean, I, I think that that jump is just so significant that it's really hard to project. That's why, for me, I've struggled with, you know, A, the question I get asked every single time I do a podcast, whether it's my own or somebody else's, is like, you know, stat line, I'm sure we'll probably get to this, but like what stat line would tell you, um, you know, he's the guy and he's the Jets quarterback for the next decade, or they're probably looking for a quarterback where he's in a year three, like in a similar situation with Tua or Daniel Jones or Hurts or any of these guys that are like, fine, but we're not sure if they're the guy or not. Um, yeah, I just, I struggle with like, I comped him to a more athletic Matt Stafford coming out and he had pretty similar numbers to Matt Stafford in a similarly terrible situation. Now, if the Jets end up with Matt Stafford as their quarterback, that means they're going to have a guy for the next 10 years, which they've never had. And I know Matt Stafford's a very polarizing guy in terms of now that he's won, all of a sudden everyone thinks he's a top five guy. And if you liked him before, now you love him. And if you didn't like him before, you still think he's not very good. Um, he's going to be a guy that turns the ball over, I think. like that's And that's fine. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Stafford, all these guys, they lead the league in interceptions. Like, <laughs> Look at the numbers last year. They threw a lot of picks. Um, but you also have to have – such a high ceiling in terms of what you can produce. And um, yeah, I just don't know how you would, if you liked Zach coming out and you still like him, you're going to point to, there was not a lot around him. Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, who are both competent. I think Elijah Moore's got a really high ceiling, you know, played 10 games, but they barely played together. They were all, you know, they kind of, when Zach was healthy and playing well, Elijah was hurt. When Elijah played well, Zach was hurt. Um, Corey Davis is a very solid NFL number two, struggled with drops last year. I think that comes with, you know, he got a big time payday and, Sometimes guys come in a new situation and struggle. Um, I know Connor Rogers kind of comped him to when the Jets signed Eric Decker and he was pretty average year one. And then they got Brandon Marshall and started to be, you know, they started to become this really good tandem. Um, now you add Garrett Wilson in the tight ends, the running backs, like there's no real excuse for him to not be good. I know they face a bit of a difficult schedule. They play in a good division, but the Patriots have not gotten, not done any favors for themselves this year. Miami is probably one of the most top heavy rosters in the NFL. Like they've got star names, but the middle of that roster is not pretty. Um, and as good as Buffalo is, the Jets actually play Buffalo weirdly, like pretty competitively, other than the one game this year where it was the Jets started Mike White and, you know, he looked pretty overwhelmed. The Jets played them really hard week, you know, week 17, and the Jets had one of the weirder rosters, like Tariq Black and Jeff Smith and, Denzel Mims, it was ugly, but 
I guess that's all to say, like, I don't know how you would know with Zach coming out of year one. If you just think that he's not going to improve and that style of play doesn't work in the NFL, I would argue that doesn't really make a lot of sense because every the reason part of the reason the Jets drafted uh, Zach Wilson and people had him as better than Trevor Lawrence. And there's serious questions about Trevor Lawrence as well in terms of arm strength and other things. Um, I just like the Jets just need to be conducive around him and try to, you know, try to elevate him so much that they can get away with, you know, he can throw one stupid interception a game knowing the other five or six big time throws are there. Um, if, you know, he's not going to be a big time throw guy, then that's not really why you drafted him. That's why like I, I go back and forth with like how, what's a good season for him. I want to see the yards per attempt. I want to see the adjusted completion percentage. I want to see those types of things much higher than they were. Um, I'm not so concerned about, does he have 10 interceptions or 12 or eight? Like that to me doesn't move the needle. It's, does he have 12 touchdowns again, or does he have 31 touchdowns and like the Jets are scoring a ton of points and they go six and 11 because they're not ready yet. Like there's a big difference for me there. Yeah. The uh, box score thing is super hard to work with anyway, because you, you have that Blake Bortles year where he had like 35 touchdowns and won four games. And so this is the thing with Wilson and the Jets. To me, the evaluation is, is the team better? Uh, because they're putting more around him and they're giving a system that at least in theory, that system is working in a lot of places around the NFL. And so if you can't operate it and win some games, even if your stat line isn't perfect, even if you make mistakes that young quarterbacks still make, but if you're winning some games, if you're getting over that hump and you're a competitive team, then you can go into that year three and think, all right, now we've got free agency money because we've got the rookie quarterback contract and we can continue to go forward with him. Uh, but if you win four games again, there's no way it was good. Like there's just no, no way. they can't, uh, they cannot, if they win four games, there's going to be serious issues. Right. Cause like the jets have done everything of like the quote unquote best way to the right way to do things, the right way to rebuild the Ravens, Eagles philosophy, obviously all the jets and the Niners, like all these teams that are stable organizations right now that kind of consistently, you feel like you're competitive. They blew it all up. They got rid of everything. They started fresh. The staff, the GM and the head coach are aligned at the hip. They changed the whole policy with the ownership where now Robert Sala reports to Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas reports to uh, Woody Johnson. You've got the quarterback that came in with the head coach. They, they got their guy. They've built through the trenches. They have the second most offense, expensive offensive line. I'm, I apologize, defensive line, fifth most expensive offensive line. All these rookies, they invested at the skill positions, at corner, at receiver. Like, there is – very little excuse to not be a competitive football team. Um, and if they win four games, they're probably – I'm probably on this show next year. You're on my show. We're talking about are they going to draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Levis or any of these guys because, um, look, the Bills – I know everyone looks at the Bills right now because they're the easy, like, progression. But Josh Allen was not amazing year two, but he took a big enough leap that they said, okay, we can go all in with Stefan Diggs and all in with all these offensive linemen and we're going to spend money. And Josh Allen took that absurd year three leap. But I know they, they made the playoffs in year two. I know someone's going to be like, oh, they were still good. But if the Jets even resemble a, to your point, we're one year away and we're one or two pieces, then like the Tyree Kill move that everyone wanted them to make, then it makes a lot of sense. It's like, okay, this is now that they the sexy, like, are they going to go to the Super Bowl pick? Right now, the Jets are the sexy, like, can they make the playoffs? You know, you're, you're a year away, but if Zach's good, now you feel good. And if he's bad, fortunately, um, it's going to be like the 100th time that the Jets fans have to start over at quarterback.
Well, that's exactly what I mean. The Bills example is I remember because my dad's a Bills fan. I grew up in Buffalo and I remember my dad after that season saying, hey, you know, Josh Allen wasn't perfect this year and has his issues still. But if you see the way that he competes and you see a lot of the flashes that you're looking for, this is what's so hard is because back in the day, they used to give quarterbacks all sorts of time year after year of being horrible. And then some of them would just all of a sudden they would get it. Um, what Like Terry Bradshaw, for example, is the number one overall pick and wasn't very good to start his career. And then all of a sudden it just clicked in. The team got to be great around him. I know I'm going like way, way back, but uh, that used to happen all the way through, I think, the 90s. And then then all of a sudden teams in recent years, especially with the salary cap with the rookie contracts, basically it's like, and how fast people get fired. If you're not good by year two or year three, we're just changing quarterbacks. And then teams that don't and they stick with them like Mitch Trubisky, they get everybody fired. So it, it's, it's weird to think about a quarterback like him being in year two here where I think in a reasonable world, we would be like, all right, let's give it like four seasons and see what happens. But this is not a reasonable world. It's like, it's over fast uh, if this doesn't work out. And the funny thing about that is, so we talked about a lot here, trading Kirk Cousins, going the route that you're talking about, which I think has been proven to really work. But the example that keeps coming up is the Jets. You need to solve this, Will, because that becomes the example every time I bring it up. Well, the Vikings should probably move on and reset their roster. But what about the Jets? I guess I wonder about your perspective on that, because I think more than anything, drafting Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold, and if it doesn't work out with Zach Wilson, it's just bad luck. Like it's almost going against recent history where it seems like more first round picks are having success with supporting casts around them and are more prepared to play in the NFL than ever. Yeah, so it's it's interesting you brought up the example of letting guys sit. Like, I'm a diehard USC fan. I admit to everyone always that, like, when I do my draft evaluations, like, I'm biased towards USC guys. You know, Carson Palmer came in as one of the most talented, like, his one of the better arms, you know, elite arm, elite college tape, blah, blah, sat the entire rookie year. Chad Pennington, who the Jets drafted in the first round, similar small school guy. They had four first-round picks, which was so cool and obviously set them up for a lot of success in the 2000s. You know, Chad Pennington didn't play in 2000, didn't play in 2001, came in 2002 and was let the world on fire. And it's almost because, like, he was able to sit behind a, a Vinny Testaverde and all these guys that, you know, were veterans and he got to learn and actually understand the NFL. And, you know, it's weird how that stuff works. Patrick Mahomes sat and all these guys, whatever. But from a Jets perspective, it's weird because to your point, I was reading uh, an article Jeremy Fowler wrote on like, you know, evaluating their se- the rookie uh, second year quarterbacks and the, who they have success in. And people I've talked to have done the same thing. It's like, it's the jets. We don't know. Right. Like it, it could go one or the other way. It's just, if the jets get this wrong, I'm more inclined to say this ro- Like I'm curious what's going to happen. I don't think this is a roster that can, is not a seven or eight win roster. Like this roster very much is a good, like, they're young, but I think like there's a lot of talent there, especially up front on both sides of the ball at receiver um, at corner. The Jets have like Sauce Gardner is good. Him and DJ Reed is is a hell of a pairing um, long term. They're probably the team. They're like a team similar to, I guess, where Philly and all these teams are. Where this offseason or Cleveland, where it's like okay, they're a veteran quarterback away, and you know, is it the Kyler Murrays of the world that don't get extended? Or I'm not saying Lamar is getting traded. I'm just saying if someone like that, you know, these guys don't get extended. I would assume the Jets are more interested in that than starting over again for like a fifth time, technically, in the last 10 years on quarterback. 
Um, you had to be able to develop quarterbacks, right? Michael Floor is a very talented quarter, like, offensive mind. I know it's unfortunate what happened with Greg Knapp passing away before the season. I think that was another obstacle that I don't think can be overstated. Like he was a huge role in the Matt Ryan's of the world and all these different guys. And <laughs> to pass away right before the season as your quarterback coach is tough. Um, Rob Calabrese is a guy that got offered the offensive coordinator job at Kentucky. He's the Jets quarterback coach. Like they have all the pieces in place for this to work. And it's like if he can't get, they can't get it right. To your point, I'm, I was on. I was in favor of before the draft. Why don't you trade Kirk Cousins and kind of go full tank mode? You have a young enough roster that's not like Justin Jefferson or Dalvin Cook's going to be old in a year. But um, I also understand the notion of like you kind of like what you have, and it's, you know the and I forget the saying. It's like whatever. It's like as much as it's nice the other side of the pillow or whatever. The grass is always greener. Like you know, you move on from Kirk Cousins and you draft the wrong guy. You draft Christian Ponder. You're right in them back in the same spot. So. Um, yeah, it's jet stuff is tough, right? It's just like eventually you have to develop a quarterback or you're never going to lose that stigma of same old jets or, you know, whoever it is, like the Browns had it forever. And I'd argue the Browns still kind of have it because they really developed Baker Mayfield. Not really. Um, but, you know, if you want to get out of this tag and I, I tweet about this all the time, people fans get on me all the time. They're like, Oh, like, why is everyone picking on us? I'm like, dude, they're not picking on you. They're it's the easy, like until you prove people wrong, people are going to keep saying the same thing. Like Charles Barkley is an amazing, was an amazing basketball player. Unfortunately, you never won a title. So people are always going to tell you, you never won a title. It's the easy thing to pick on. And if you don't develop a quarterback, people are going to keep saying same old jets. You never have it. even had a quarter. Your best quarterback is veterans like Vinny and Fitzpatrick, you know, since Joe Namath, you know, the better quarterback seasons, which is disgusting. But to answer your question, yes, they need to develop Zach because that stigma Again, they've got all these highly respected guys around the league. Douglas is a well-respected GM. He was their guy, and Salo was the hot coaching candidate, and Lafleur is an you know sought-after offensive coordinator. They've got all these guys that are the consensus number one receiver and consensus best, you know, best this and best that. So um, Zach's got to put it together because they cannot afford to be sitting at one and eight and going, "Are we really going to have to redo this thing a third time in five years?" That would that would be really unfortunate for my. Maybe it'd be good for my downloads, but I wasn't sure it'd be good for my health. <laughs> I don't know. At some point, it's got to hurt the downloads that you keep drafting. On. I know. How many but, times can I, you know, evaluate a quarterback and be wrong? Well, yeah. I mean, we're all wrong. That's the thing about evaluating the quarterbacks all the time. And even that draft class, you come out of the first year of the draft class going, Mac Jones, huh? Uh, and that was on draft night. That was my argument for the Vikings picking draft or Mac Jones was – we don't know because I like these other prospects better than him too, but we have no idea. And what the jets have run into is there was a lot of reasons to love Sam Darnold's arm talent. It just didn't work out like the turnovers carried over from college, but with some guys they don't and then they become great. And so you kind of have to keep taking that swing where the jets have sunk into is exactly where the bills were for many years, where it was like JP Lossman and Trent Edwards. And you're trying all these different things. Tyrod Taylor, once upon a time, bills fans were fighting about whether he was the guy or not. Uh, but the only way out is to draft that guy. And how is anyone supposed to know? And usually drafting him high helps, but sometimes it doesn't. And you end up with somebody who doesn't work out. But I think that with this year, the reason I would lean toward Zach Wilson being much better is because of the supporting cast. And it seems like they've done a lot to help him. And I feel like the as, as we go along, the more we go along, the more supporting casts make a difference 
simply because quarterbacks are developed better, are more physically gifted. And the gap between when I was growing up and you, the gap between the top five and the number 20 guy was so wildly insane that, you know, like the number 20 guy can't even play in the league. And then there's other teams that just don't even don't even bother showing up on Sunday. Now, though, it's like Carson Wentz, like the 20th best quarterback in the league. He was this close to an MVP a couple of years ago. Like that's how the league works now. And I feel like part of that is there's more receivers. Guys are more prepared. And what you can put around them is more of a determining factor sometimes than even what the guy can do. Yeah. I mean, the, the Jets have, if we're going to count Corey Davis being a top five pick, in theory, the Jets have four guys in the, you know, in the last six years have been drafted in the top 40 receiver, even as much as Denzel Mims has been a huge bust to this point. Um, he's their like fifth or sixth receiver, right? Raxon Barrios just got paid this offseason. He's a really nice gadget player. He's really reliable. He's an, you know, an all pro returner. Garrett Wilson was most people's number one, if not number two receiver. He's a top 10 pick. Elijah Moore was pretty wildly had no business falling to the second round. I know people have comped Garrett Wilson and Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to do that and put that pressure on him just because as much as aesthetically, they do look a lot alike. I don't want everyone to like make a guy. They did that with Zach with like, Oh, he could be the next Rogers based on the way his throwing motion is like you have, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. If you do that, um, I hope I'm wrong, but um, no, they look, they Brees Hall was a consensus, probably a top back in this class. He was my top back. Michael Carter showed a lot of flashes, even at Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson as your third or fourth running back. It's not nothing to sneeze at. They've invested two first round picks. They have another former first round pick, you know, on their offensive line. Mekhi Becton's a very polarizing guy, but George Fant played well at left tackle and Elijah Vera Tucker's, um, you know, probably one of the highest potentials of any guard in football. Lake Tomlinson was a pro bowler last year. Connor McGovern's like, if you go by PFF's grading, you know, as a, as a top 10 center, I would lean more that he's maybe a top 15 or 16 center. Again, still a top half of the NFL center. Their defense has got a ton of investment this year. Like everything is pointing in the direction of like defense should be better. The coaching staff should be better. Everything around him should be better. The Jets have, are just in a situation where, like, it is make or break with Zach, which is unfortunate because I feel like a lot of these other guys in the roster that should be getting a lot of hype and talked about, like a Garrett Wilson, like, it's really exciting to draft a receiver in the top 10, especially someone that's that as productive and as fun as Garrett Wilson is to watch. And no one, no one, none of the fan base talks about it in the media because your quarterback's still an issue, right? And it's like, why it's, you know, obviously people, you know, they're Vikings fans. It's like, you don't have to focus on it. You can, Kirk Cousins can be a talking point and all that stuff, but you can actually love Justin Jefferson and love watching him because you're not worried about who's playing quarterback at the moment. You're kind of just enjoying what's going on. Um, but yeah, they've added a ton to this roster. They've invested a top five pick in a corner. They paid pretty good money to another corner. They paid top dollar for a safety. They still have CJ Mosley and Quinn Williams and Carl Lawson and let's <clears throat> They paid John Franklin Myers and like they drafted Jermaine John. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces there. So um again, they're young. They're like really, really, really young. There's very few veterans on this roster. And they kind of purposely only brought over that winning mentality, which um again, I'm not sure how much actually matters, but I'm sure it does to an extent, right? They brought over a CJ Uzama, who's this culture guy. Jordan Whitehead was this big time culture guy in Tampa Bay. The list kind of goes on. Lincoln Tomlinson was, you know, an enforcer in San Francisco, especially apparently has that, you know, flips that switch from the nice uh, Duke educated guy to, you know, an absolute madman at, at guard. So they've got the talent to be like 
if Zach's really good this year and takes a big time year two leap, like they will be competing for a wild card spot. And if Zach's really bad, they will be picking in the top six for like the 100 straight year. And it's going to be ugly. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's just the unfortunate reality of it. So the Vikings schedule is interesting because they play the Jets on December 4th and they have the Lions next after that. And right now, every Vikings fan who looked at that schedule when it came out said, Oh, going 2-0. W and W, which I totally understand, except for both of these teams, they have the signals of a team who takes a big step forward that's been down for quite a while. If I if I gave you my $100 and you had to bet on what the line will be when the Vikings play the Jets, will it be Vikings 10 plus 10 or uh, minus 10? Uh, will it be, you know, a pickup or will the Jets – be favored like what would you say today i would say today the jets at that point in the season will be vikings minus three i think they'll get the three points at home um usually get four at home but they'll probably get three at home i think if it was in new york the jets would be minus like one like and i think if it's in minnesota i think minnesota is not an easy place to play obviously you know if they're playing they're in a good spot i think they're gonna be it's gonna be even harder to play obviously it's inside now it's not like a couple years ago when the Jets played and, and they played at University of Minnesota and it was like the most disgusting weather of all time. The Jerry's um, right game, right? Yeah, yeah. Sheldon Richardson chasing him down for 90 yards in overtime. That was fun. Um, yeah, no, I think, look, the Jets are – their Jets season is going to be very much determining on how the first four – well, first six weeks really go. Um, they've opened up against Baltimore, and I, it's a t- difficult game, but the Ravens have, like, their entire roster that's brand new or coming off a major injury. So I don't know – usually it takes – week one's fluky. So then the Jets play the whole AFC North, the first four games. Deshaun Watson, frankly, I hope is not playing because – I. There's a lot of other stuff. Obviously, I don't want to get into on this podcast, but there there should no reason you should be playing. Um, the Jets did beat the Bengals last year with their backup quarterback, and Pittsburgh has got Mitch Trubisky starting. So, if the Jets start out two and two, and they kind of can gain this momentum, that Vikings game will be like the Vikings are six and five, and the Jets are four and seven, or whatever it is, and the Jets have a pretty easy path at the end of the year. Um, there is also the possibility the Jets are two and ten, and the Vikings are eight and three, or whatever it is that's when it could be, you know, Vikings minus 10 or something like that. But I, if I had to guess right now, I would say um, Vikings are a field goal favorite. I think the team, the Jets kind of match up decently with them, but I also think it's, again, I don't know how good Sauce Gardner is going to be. And Justin Jefferson's impossible to guard. And, you know, they could have that game where Dalvin's really hard, you know, Dalvin's running great. Although at that point in the season, no one has any idea how many shoulder injuries right. Dalvin Cook's going to have. So, um yeah, the Jets, again, they're going to have to establish being the dominant team up front and running the football. I think they want to be very similar to what San Francisco is, where they, they, you know, hit the crap out of the quarterback 30 times a game and they run it down your throat and they get the ball in their playmaker's hands and, you know, hope to kind of continue that way. Those teams are annoying to play. Again, you mentioned the Lions, too. I think both teams are – their goal, I think, this year is obviously they want to make the playoffs. But I think their goal would be, especially for the Lions – and the Jets as well. Some a team that no one wants to play every week, like is an absolute grind to play against. And like you beat, they might be not a great team, but they're hard to beat. Um, the Jets were not hard to beat last year. It felt like some weeks they were, but there was a lot of like, oof. If you get up on them, and you know you have to make Zach throw fifty times, it's going to get ugly. I think the goal this year is to be like 
we're in a dogfight in the fourth quarter. Can we be a young team that comes out on top, similar to what Cincinnati was last year? Or are we, uh, you know, the Lions who lost a bunch of heartbreakers and 66-yard field goals and stuff like that? It is one of my favorite things that we do. And what makes football great is, hey, man, pick a game in December, like right now. <laughs> I know. Do the, win, do the win-loss <laughs> for week 18 when you have no right. idea who's even going to be on the field. All right. But yet, and yet we're always interested in doing that. The minute the schedule comes out, it's, it's something that I really enjoy about the game. Uh, okay. I want you to do two quick things for me. One, I want you to rank the quarterbacks from that draft class with Zach Wilson from last year at the end of this year, since we're making you predict ridiculous things. And then I have a slight bit of Jets trivia for you. So who, how do you think that at the end of the year, we view those five first round quarterbacks from uh, last year's draft class. I think we're going to view Justin Fields fifth and it's not because it's all Justin Fields fault. I think mm -hmm. they have done everything the judge did with Sam Darnold, where they half-heartedly gave him weapons, but didn't really support him at all. The offensive line looks like a mess. The receiving core. I like Darnell Mooney, um, but I just think they're, they're setting him up to fail and it, it sucks. And it's like, I hope it doesn't torpedo his career and I hope he can overcome it because he's that talented. But I think we'll view him as fifth just because of, again, that Sam Darnold thing where like they don't support him and, you know, he's going to struggle and get hit a ton. I think we'll view Trey Lance fourth. Um, I'm not sure with Trey. I don't like, I just don't know. Like his college tape's really fun, but wasn't really asked to do. I mean, you think Zach Wilson didn't get touched. I mean, I played against, <laughs> I played against North Dakota state in college and we were good and they smoked us. <laughs> so Carson Wentz uh, threw the ball like three times. So I, I just don't know what, you know, what to expect with Trey. So I'm going to put him fourth. I'll put, put Trevor third. And I think it's because again, like it's Jacksonville, as much as the jets are a mess, Jacksonville is just, I love Doug Peterson. I think he's gonna be a huge uh, advocate for, you know, Trevor Lawrence and make him better. Um, Evan Ingram, you know, never is healthy and drops everything. And the offense, like Brandon Sheriff's a really good player. And the Jets have basically admitted they paid Lincoln Tomlinson because he's on the field for 17 games a year and Brandon Sheriff's not. So I'll go Trevor third, I'll go Zach second. Um, and I'll go Mac one, but I'll just, the caveat is like, I do think Trevor and Zach could easily surpass Mac. I just think that New England's very stable. I'm worried about offensive coordinator and the town around him. Um, but until I see anybody else prove it, it's just like really hard for me to predict like right now because Zach has every ability to be five and he's every ability to be one. Same with Trevor, same with Justin Fields, same with Trey Lance. I think Mac will be in that one to three range for a while because he's just a stable guy. You know, he was a little more athletic than I thought we were, you know, I would have thought he was going to be last year. And, um, you know, I think, again, it's New England. Until New England, someone beats New England, it's hard to pick against them. Although I do think they'll be – I didn't think they'll struggle this year more than they have in, in years past. Yeah, it's funny about that with someone like Mac Jones. It's like he's already moved into the thing he was projected to be, which was kind of – and I don't think he's exactly like Kirk. I think he gets rid of the ball a little quicker and things like that. But – Still, like he that's instantly where he was but will he go anywhere else and I still want to say that Trevor Lawrence since he's the most talented guy now that he has a real coach like when we talk about circumstances that's not that's not a tough circumstance that's an f minus that's your coach was a sociopath like I don't know yeah. how to overcome that so that one that one I'm leaning a little toward him still being that top guy I think it'd be disappointment year. for the Jags if Trevor's not one to be honest yeah. like I I think you know, we do this generational thing, which is obviously nonsense, but 
I, like if Trevor's this guy that he's supposed to be, he was a savior, like you should be able to overcome. It's not like he, like the difference is like Zach and Trey were like playing in games where like they were the most talented people on the field every game. Like Trey Lance, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was like in national championship games as a freshman. Like I think he lost like whatever, like once in college and, you know, once from high school through a college or whatever it was and like never in the regular season, all this stuff. Like he should be able to elevate. They've, they've invested quite a bit of money and, and, and picks there. Um, so to your point, Trevor should be one. I just, with him and Zach, like, they were really bad last year. And until all these guys show anything, it's just Max the only one that looked good. So it's hard not to pick him. Okay. Now here's your – it's quarterback week. The Jets have one of the most hilarious quarterback histories in the entire NFL. So here's your quarterback trivia. Number one, two, and three in passing yards in Jets history are Joe Namath, Ken O'Brien, and Richard Todd. Those guys are from back in the day. Numbers four through 10 all happened after 1993. Can you name numbers four through 10 in Jets passing yardage history? So go Ryan Fitzpatrick's one, Uh, one of them. Yep. He is ninth overall, ninth in in Jets history, which right right there is hysterical. Yeah. Sam Darnold's in in there. He is eighth. Yep. In passing Uh, yardage. Sanchez. Uh, Mark Sanchez is sixth. By the way, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Sam Darnold won the same number of games as a Jet. Oh, God. Yikes. Um, Vinny is definitely in there. Vinny is fifth. Correct. Yeah, Vinny is fifth. Yep. Chad Chad Pennington's got to be in there. He is fourth. Yep. Okay, so you've gotten so... all of them except for two. Okay. The seventh and the tenth. Uh, let's see. Geno Smith might be in there. Geno Smith is 10th. I did not oh. think you were going to get that because I will Ooh. spoil this one that Neil O'Donnell is not there, and that's one that I would have guessed. I was just going to guess Neil O'Donnell. So yeah. You're uh, you are missing a southpaw. Oh, Boomer? Yeah, Boomer is 7th. Yeah. Let's go. 15 and 27 is a jet after a illustrious career with the Bengals. <laughs> uh, I I shocked Gino's in there, but I somehow I was like, it's got to be someone that's just terrible and that it, somehow got in there. How about that Vinny year though? That that oh, year where ninety eight ninety eight's the most uh, glorious year of all time. That the Jets not this is not that anyone cares about this. That ninety nine Jets team was easily the best team in the NFL, and it wasn't close. And Vinny tears his Achilles in the second or third quarter of Week One. The Jets played Tom Tupa, a punter, yes, through two touchdowns yes. at quarterback. Um, and I think they, they benched him in that game, right? They benched like they, him. They, he yeah, was they playing played, well, and they put they back, benched him. They it put was, in was it Rick Meyer? Yeah, they went Rick Meyer, and then they put Tom Tupa back in. Um, and then the Jets like started out like I think they were like three and six or three and seven. They played Ray Lucas out of Rutgers. Love Ray. And then and then they won like six games in a row. They finished the season eight and eight. Parcells walks away. Belichick's supposed to take over, quits the job, takes the Patriots job. The Jets go with Al Groh. They like miss the playoffs again. Then they have a nice run with Herm Edwards. It was one of those like classic Jets where they're coming off. They should have beaten the Broncos in 98 in the title game. They're up 10 nothing. They go into 99, all these expectations. The team was still amazing. It's just you know, when you have a punter playing quarterback, it's not easily mm-hmm. not that easy. Bill Parcells is, I think, still the only Jets coach, or I'm pretty positive to end his Jets tenure with a winning record, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so wow. I'm like, yeah, it's not great. Um, usually, or maybe I'm wrong. Or it's like it's something that's like some obscure stat where like whatever. But um, yeah, no. And then they he tears Achilles and he came back and he's like 50 years old and couldn't really do stuff again. But then Chad Pennington came in. 
Jets beat Peyton Manning in a playoff game, 41-0. People don't remember that when they slander Peyton um, as the GOAT. But, Man. Uh, yeah, a lot of Jets history that goes through my head, unfortunately. I love it. I mean, look, look, the names on this list are so marvelous. I mean, you have obviously the Favre here. Uh, Josh McCown got paid, if I remember, like $10 million to be the backup. Oh, yeah, backup to, to be the backup. He didn't yeah. play. He was never going to – like, he played and ended up playing because Darnold got hurt, but absolutely hey, um, hysterical. A personal hero, Frank Reich, having grown up in Buffalo. Frank Reich, of course, a, a legend. Uh, Brooks Bollinger, a Viking legend, is on this list as well. And another Viking legend, Bobby Brister. I mean, amazing. Oh. Bo- All right, so I, was cor- so I was correct somewhat. So Al Groh and Sammy Ball technically have 500 or above winning percentages, mm-hmm. but Parcells is the only one above 56%. And then the next best, Herm Edwards has the fourth best winning percentage in Jets history with a record of 39 and 41. You hate to see it. No, you, you, <laughs> you really do. Rex, even Re- even Rex, I, like Rex obviously is, you know, one of the more memorable Jets coaches, went 46 and 50. It got ugly in the end, unfortunately, yeah, with, uh, is, with Rex. This is a point I've been making all offseason. Like Mike Zimmer was not a bad coach, folks. Um, no. But uh, Mike, Michael is, Vick. Is Kellen Mond the future? No. If Kellen Mond's not even the future number two, I think. Yeah, Quincy Carter now. went two and one as a starter at 04. Yeah, I'm telling. There is a like we have a one of the segments on one of the partner podcasts, Badlands, which Joe Caparoso and Connor Rogers do a great job. They have they did an almost Jets draft of like all these guys that were oh, supposed yeah. to be Jets, whether it be a trade or I may steal oh, this. Yeah, you should. It's it's very yeah, funny. Like there is a you know. Apparently the Jets were going to trade up for Tom Brady and they didn't. And uh, Peyton missed, you know, Peyton kind of went back to school. The Jets had number one pick. Peyton went back to school when he was supposed to come out. It was there's a lot of like absurd, you know, they ended up having Favre and that was fun. They were eight and three. And then he uh, tore his bicep and was atrocious for the last seven, mm-hmm. six games. And they lost at home to go into the playoffs against distracted Chad- by sideline yeah. reporters as well. Yeah. Um, so let me just finish out the list. Cause you said you had the day off and this is your, yeah, goal. no, this is fun. Um, no, this is fun. Jay Fiedler threw for 107 yards <laughs> as a jet. Mark Brunel somehow threw 16 jet passes what he played in week 17 against the bills in 2010 the jets had this division i mean they had the um playoffs wrapped up like they couldn't have proven their they couldn't improve their seed they rested the starters joe mcknight had like 150 yards one of the weirder jets games of all time i think they beat the bills actually it was weird uh jeff blake threw nine passes as a jet tim tebow threw eight and Josh Cribbs somehow threw three passes as a New York Jet. This is incredible. Cliff Kingsbury threw two passes as a Jet. What is this list? It's 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 bad. Ke- Kellen Clemens. There's some there's some names on there that are just get oh ugly. My gosh. No, you're not. This should have been the game. Did this person throw a pass for the Jets? Braylon Edwards threw a pass for the New York Jets. That is that is disgusting. What? That is truly like there's there. I was doing a thing that was like did these you know these guys you front play for the Jets. There was like Ed Reed was on the Jets for a oh, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jason Taylor weirdly was on the Jets. LT obviously you know infamous Art Monk played a year on the Jets. Ronnie I Lott like yeah Art Monk. I, I remember Ronnie Lott. Yeah, Patrick yeah, was, Ramsey. Yeah, threw a go. pass. One pass for the New York Jets. <laughs> And that's the oh end my. of the list. I got down to guys who threw one pass. That is that's Patrick Ramsey. 
What a Patrick, treasure. What a, what a terrible NFL quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My childhood was a was... just an absolute mess. But also you can envision some in some room, they were like, should we just like pick up Patrick Ramsey? Like, yeah, like, he or... sounds like a good idea. And he, <laughs> right. he, I mean, he wasn't at all. It was a very bad <laughs> no, idea. No, that one pass was incomplete, if you were wondering. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Will, Will uh, this was super fun. <laughs> Will, Will Parkinson on Twitter at WillPaw11 and uh, the turn on the Jets. You and Joe Caparoso, uh, awesome. I, I used to bring Joe on shows when I worked in Buffalo and – um so uh big fan of turn on the jets and jets quarterback history this was yeah. really fun man so hopefully we can stop having hopefully this this got like zach if zach has one big year he'll probably like catapult in the sixth all time somehow yes. i think the jets have had i asked actually i'm gonna ask you a trivia question i'll see if you get this okay i asked kyle brant this on my show three jets receivers have had over 1200 yards in a season Besides Don Maynard, we're taking Don Maynard out. Okay. Who are the other three that have had 1,200 yards in the season? Three have had 1,200 yards in the season. history okay. of the Jets. So, uh, Keyshawn? No. Surprise. Not he Keyshawn. Hit, no. They he did not out. throw him the damn ball. Is that what you're no. saying? So, he, I believe, finished with, let's see if I, I'm, I, yeah. So, he, his best season was 1,170 yards. Okay. So, um, how about. Oh, it's wow. actually only two. It's only two. Don Maynard is the other one, but Don Maynard did oh. it five times. So there's okay. only two guys. How about Rob Moore? No. These these are both after 2001. Okay. Um. So Al Toon is out for this. Yes, he was close, but. Lavernius Coles? Yes, Lavernius Coles, 1,264 yards and 89 catches in 2002. And it's a whole there's, other podcast to go through guys who've caught a pass for the Jets. Yeah, so number it's number one, and his stat line was one that one hundred nine catches, fifteen hundred yards, and fourteen touchdowns. Big we don't have that the, problem here. Big name in the thing. media. Yeah, big receiver name in the thing, media. Not a problem here. No, that's that's definitely <laughs> one of the not Vikings issues. No, it time. is. Well, thanks so much for your time, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, no, I appreciate uh, it. We will definitely do it again. Um, it doesn't have to be in December, but definitely in December. Yeah, we'll definitely do it in December. Brandon Marshall has the Jets' best receiving oh. season all time. He then had in, then went from he followed up his season where he was the best Jets receiver ever with 700 yards and three touchdowns, and was out of the NFL two years later. That was when he argued for Fitzpatrick to come back. <sighs> we're this yeah. We could do a whole new docu series on the 2016 <laughs> Jets that uh. The Jets got held hostage by Ryan Fitzpatrick, who choked the playoffs away, and then pay, promptly paid him to then draft Christian Hackenberg. Um, and he week seventeen played, against ne- Rex, right? Ne- never, yep, and then never yeah. played an NFL snap. So um, Christian Hackenberg, hope you're doing terrible wherever you are. Uh, appreciate your Is time. He playing buddy. baseball? Yeah, he's playing baseball. He you know burned out of the CFL and the XFL and the NFL Europe and every pretty much any semi-pro NFL league you could find. He. Uh, he was terrible at as well. Um, so great, great job, Mike McCagan. Awesome job. This is nice out in New York today. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. I, you know. I have to crack open a crack open a beer or wine after this. Just yeah, just 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 reflect for a few minutes. Yeah, before you just sit there in silence. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for all your time, Will. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me.